0: Let me invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 40. If you don't have a copy, there is a Bible or should be a Bible in the seat in front of you or close to you there. And you will want to turn to page 468. While you're turning there, let me just remind you what a blessing it is to have copies of God's Word. We, we often just are so used to having a copy that we forget what a great blessing it is. Most believers through the ages did not have this blessing. We should be very, very thankful. Let's read God's word. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me.
1: Yes, please do keep your copy open to Psalm 40 there. That's where we're going to spend a lot of our time this morning in this last sermon in our current sermon series of Grounded. Next week, we're starting a study on Philippians, so if you want to start reading ahead on that book, uh, that would be good, right? So Philippians, we'll start that next week. Do a short series on that, and then it's Advent. We'll have our Advent series. Man, can you believe that? I've been working on the Advent series a little bit the last few weeks and looking forward to that. So Um, But we're not rushing it, right? Right? We're not rushing it. Because that means blowing snow and things like that. Uh, We hate to wait, don't we? We just despise waiting. I I have a friend that he says, you know, I find myself tapping my foot impatiently in front of a microwave. (laughs)
0: Let's
1: think about that, you know? I mean, we're and it's just becoming faster and faster and faster in this in the pace of it. I mean, anymore, it's almost like two-day shipping seems long now, you know? I like to get something. It's like, oh, do, do I want to wait two days to get this thing? Uh, I'll just do the digital download, you know, and get it right away. I I think about this of books that, you know, I, I actually, there was a, a commentary that I had used that I did not own. I had borrowed it from a library, and it was a very good commentary, and uh, I thought... And I remember having this one, and I, I didn't have it, and, you know, I, I could buy it. But then I just went on Blogos, my Bible software, and then, you know, click, click, click. And then within 10 seconds, I was reading this commentary, right? I mean, we just live in this time where we just hate to wait for anything, you know, streaming or whatever the case may be. There, a situation happened the other day. I was I was driving in in the morning, and uh, I was coming down Main Street here, and, uh, you know, it's 25 miles an hour, you know, on here. And so I was doing 25. You can be proud of me. And so I was, I was coming down here. And then there's there's a car. So we were coming up to the stoplight. And I saw that those cars were stopping because the light was red. And so I took my foot off the accelerator. And, you know, so you start to go. Like, and then this car comes up right behind me. I mean, I see, I mean, she, this lady was like a, a foot, it felt like, you know, from my back bumper. And so I just kind of look in my rearview mirror, and she's like, go, 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 you know. And I took that to say that, you know, she was happy with me, but, you know, so so I thought she wants me to slow down, so I did. Um, and, 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 you know, because we had to stop anyway, and she's like. I was like, where am I supposed to go here? This lady was in, was in such a hurry of someplace, And it wasn't like the emergency hurry, like, you know, if something bad is happening. It was probably, you know, she needed to get the Miller's for donuts. I don't know. But the point is, is that, you know, she would really, so finally came here. And when I turned down the street here to come in here, she flies past me. And I thought, that lady is in a hurry. She hates to wait for anything, you know, Probably. But, you know, I'm the same way, you know. I mean, I, I don't like to wait. None of us do. None of us like to wait if we're truly honest. You know, this last sermon in the series has, has evolved a little bit. As I've studied through and, and, and tried to figure out maybe where we need to land on this. I, originally, we were going to talk about what do we do if we need a do-over or a mulligan. We're going to come back to that. That's going to be part of this. But I think really what's most helpful to us, if we're gonna live a grounded life, we need to understand this, that a grounded life is a waiting life. And I know, and I know many people are waiting. Um, I know many people are waiting for, for things to, to change. So, hopefully, I get the tears out of the way now, and then we can go on. Um, The context of our psalm is really helpful to us understanding this. Um, Go back to Psalm 37, okay? Go back to Psalm 37. Um, One of the beautiful things about. Psalm 37 is that it's an acrostic. Okay. So what that means is is that the way that Psalm was written, who David wrote this, he wrote it as like kind of a literary masterpiece in some ways. And so what he did was is he he took the Hebrew alphabet okay? And the only way you would know this if you knew Hebrew and you saw this individual Hebrew text, but each line, each stanza actually begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet in order. So it'd be kind of like if we were to make a poem and I would say the first line is A and the second line is B, C, D, you get the point, okay? That's what David does here in Psalm 37 uh, with the Hebrew alphabet. It's a really beautiful, masterful uh, literary work that he does here. And the reason why I bring that up is because he's actually just trying to, to give a, uh, a theological treatise, if you will, of what he's talking about. But here's one thing I want you to see is in verse 7, uh, he, he says, first of all, in verse 1, don't fret yourself because of evildoers. He's talking about verse 3, trust in the Lord, do good. Verse 4, delight yourself. Verse 5, commit yourself. But look at verse 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. Over the, over the man who carries out evil devices. Look over verse 34, the same psalm. Wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land, and you you will look on when the wicked are cut off. So here what we have here is we have in this acrostic psalm, we have this command to wait. In, in his theological treatise, he's saying, how do we live for God is that one of the things he says, you have to wait. Now, this is David making this command. This is an important concept, okay? You just need to see how this fits, okay, with the text we're going to be in today. David is commanding all people who are wanting to follow God. He says, you've got to wait. You've got to wait on the Lord. That's the command, okay? Look at verse, uh, chapter, or Psalm 38, okay? In Psalm 38, O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath, for your arrows have sunk in me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh, because your indignation, and there is no health in bones, because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head, like a heavy burden, there too heavy for me. And so here he's dealing with this. Uh, uh, um, a obvious sin that he's just absolutely convicted of in here we don't know exactly what it was we don't know all the scenarios of what was going on here but here he's just dealing with the sin and so here this is coming from an acrostic poem where he's given this theological work where he says you've got to wait but look what he includes here in verse 15 of psalm 38 but for you O lord do i wait so he's, here's his commitment. So if we have in Psalm 37 a command to wait, in verse 38 he says, even in the midst of my sin and I'm dealing with this stuff, I'm going to wait on you, God. It's a commitment to him. Psalm 39 is like the process of waiting. I don't have time to go through the whole psalm, but he says, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue, verse 1. I will guard my mouth or I will guard my mouth with a muzzle, so as long as the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I held my peace to no avail, and my distress grew worse, my heart became hot within me as I mused so bad, he said, I can't help but speak here. This is this this process committed to this, or Psalm 38. I am committed to this. And then he gets insight in Psalm 39 about the process of it. But then Psalm 40, where we find ourselves, is the result. The result of waiting. Verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and will put their trust in the Lord. And we can continue on, and we'll, we'll unpack this as we go on throughout our sermon today. But here's the point is that David found himself in a pit. Now, this was metaphorical. This was not like if you read the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 38, you would find that Jeremiah was literally thrown into a literal pit, okay? And that he sunk down into the mud there. It was actually an empty cistern that he got thrown into, and he got thrown into this. And the, uh, uh, an unlikely source, uh, Cushite, came and, and, and lobbied for Jeremiah, and they lowered ropes down, and they got a group of people, and they lowered ropes down, and they brought him up out of the pit, right? Okay, that's what Jeremiah's experience in a literal sense here. David here is not talking about being in a literal pit here, but what he is talking about is he's saying the way his soul was, the where he was at with all the things that were going on, his own sin, everything that was surrounding him, the circumstances of life, he felt like he was in the pit of despair. <laughs> I waited, he says, in the pit. Maybe some of you find yourself there. Maybe some of you are asking questions like, why does God seem to say no to my deepest desire?" Why does God say no to noble prayer requests? I'm praying for things that would honor God. It's not for my own sake. This would be this would be honoring to you. This would be honoring to you, God. And yet you're saying no, or it's not happening. Why does it seem that we have to be in limbo for so long? Have you been there? Are you there now? Why can't God just tell us the plan? I mean, it would, be, it would be one thing if I just knew. I, I remember when we were going through praying for children, I remember just saying, God, if you just tell me that it's not your plan for us to have kids, I'll be okay with it. But just tell me that. But he didn't tell me that. We had to wait. It's painful. Maybe some of you find yourselves here today. This psalm, Psalm 40, I'm hoping and I'm praying that as we go through it today, it's helpful to us. That a grounded life, a life that is steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I hate to tell you this, but it's a life of waiting, okay? But it's good. It's good. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, go through this text, I pray, I um, pray i get a hold of my emotions here. And, up. Oh, that we'd find hope in your word I pray that um, I would be able to communicate in a way that's helpful that's accurate to the text God I pray that uh, uh, you would remove distractions Um, I fear that um, I'm getting in the way and I pray that that wouldn't be the case Um, so Father thank you for the power of your word Thank you for the power of your spirit. We pray your spirit fall fresh on us and that uh, that I would communicate the, the, the wonderful truths of this text in a way that is, is absolutely um, helpful and, and accurate. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. All right. Boy, I am sorry, guys. I am sorry. Um, I'm going to ask three questions and hopefully answer them as we go through this text today. And uh some of you are just like, "Dude, you got to pull it together jeremy and, and and I'm right there with you, so um there's just a lot in my soul um, okay, number one, so here's the question why why does God insist on making us wait why um maybe you've had that that question um it's really his m o if you study the whole scriptures, you'll study that uh, you'll know that um uh that it seems like in every story waiting is involved with it even like with the children of Israel and 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 wait you know in the bondage of Egypt and the whole nation of Israel starting there's waiting if you look at the end of Malachi to the end of the beginning of Matthew there's 400 years of silence there I mean even right now we're in the time that we're waiting for God right okay and so it just seems it is part of God's plan in every situation that we have to wait um and so, so as I was thinking through this, and say, okay, how can how can we help with this if we're going to live this grounded life, one that's always abounding in the work of the Lord, okay, um, steadfast, unmovable. But yet we have to wait, and, and there's so many things that we have to wait for. We have to wait for God to show up, it seems like. We have to wait for God to answer our prayers. We have to wait for us to, to uh, respond well, or for someone else to respond well, or, or all these things. So why is it that God seems to always want us to wait? And these are things that I've wrestled with in my life, okay? Um, you guys know about our journey through you know, praying for children. Uh, many of you know that long journey and uh to, you got put us through that waiting time um there's prayer requests that i have been praying for years to this day that god just has not answered and they're good requests too that's what that's what is so frustrating right you know you would think someone to bend their knee and repent of their sins and and follow christ you would think that would be a good thing right and yet it hasn't happened yet okay how do we wrestle with this how do we be steadfast and movable, always about to be the work of the Lord when it just seems like things are when God just makes us wait? Is he being mean? Is he being harsh to us? Obviously, the answer to that is no. Okay? But how do we reconcile that? Okay. Now, I've, got, I've got four reasons, maybe why God insists on making us wait. This is not an exhaustive list, okay? I'm not pretending that this is all of what it is. But I'm just, really what I'm doing today is I'm just kind of opening up some of my heart and, and my, my own journey and, um, and uh, what I've learned from the scriptures, and I'm just trying to pass it on to you, okay? An imperfect person, uh, pass it along to, to, to people whom I love. Number one, waiting can clarify what we truly need. This is why God has us wait. Um, what I love, I mentioned this in Psalm 39 in the beginning, of that he says, okay, I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to say anything, and then he says in in two, two and three. But okay, uh, no, I got to talk. And then he says, then I spoke with my tongue. It was almost like this thing that it was like he was going back and forth, like he didn't know how to respond to this. In many of the cases, that's the way it is. Many of the ways is that our first response to something is that it's not what's right or what we think we need is not truly what we need, and and the things that we want is is just is just not what's best for us. And I remember a few years ago when we were looking to buy a house, and, and I know this pales in comparison to what some of you are walking through, but we were looking for a house, and we are trying to find a house, and uh, you know, we had this, we, we put an offer on this house. And, and you got to understand, first of all, you know, we, the only other time I bought a house was down in Rockford, right, okay? And when I moved up here from it, the house was completely upside down, and the market had tanked so bad. So I wasn't used to anything any property having equity at all until I moved up here okay and so then it was the bidding war right and so we put in an offer for a house that was over the asking price and we're like okay here we go we're gonna get this thing and it wasn't even close we come to find out it wasn't even close to what it was offered and we were like man, this, we thought this house was gonna be great and one of the things that we were looking at in this house was like we could have small group here and this is great it's good for hosting and all this stuff and we're like god we thought this was good right and he said no to it right now, I, if we weren't put in the depths of despair or anything over that, because we knew that God had something for us, but still, is one of those things where it wasn't truly what was best for us, and God provided something that was actually far better for us. See, the, the reason why God has us wait sometimes is that it clarifies what we truly need. What we first think may need to happen or must happen is often was not what's best for us. And we've got to have that uh, humility. We've got to have that ability to say, okay, God, even though my heart's desire is this and it's not necessarily a bad thing because, of course, I'm not talking about desiring bad things here, right? I'm talking about when we're desiring good things, okay? We, even then, it's hard for us and we have to say, listen, maybe, God, you have something different for us. Maybe you have a different path for us. That doesn't mean and we're going to get to that we just give up. We're going to get to that in a second here, but it doesn't mean we have to say, God, Maybe you have something better for us. There's a book that I read yesterday, a uh, short little book. It's called uh, Seasons of Waiting by uh, Betsy Childs Howard. I put it in the, the notes. I encourage you. If you're walking through season of waiting, uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a ri- it's a book written by a woman for a woman, so I thought I'd read it. Um, but but um, And it was helpful, it was good, all right? Um, and so I, I encourage you, to, you know, to pick that up, okay? Um, Seasons of Waiting. Uh, by Betsy Childs Howard Uh, what we first think we need often is not what's best for us waiting can clarify what we truly need I need to move on waiting can also intensify our worship okay I think that's important here while we wait we tend to pray more um, often not always the case but this is what David is doing you say okay where do you see this in the text well I just see this in the text here all over in all the psalms that we said, but look, he says, "I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me, and he heard my cry right okay and so is it, it, as we 're waiting for something, as there 's our earnest desire and it 's being clarified what we truly want, and if it 's right for us we 're going to be talking to God more right? if you 're a believer in christ you 're going to be talking more to him. there's going to be more of that fellowship there. It may not always be sweet. It may be very hurtful at times, but I guarantee I'm promising you. I'm promising you on the authority of God's word and even my own personal experience. On the other side, it is intense worship. It is intense worship. There's, There's a layer of gratefulness that accompanies something when God answers a request or grants a request after making you wait for it. I mean, we live in a time where immediate, you know, immediate gratification, where we want things right away. We've talked about this before. And in, in the end, it's beautiful, but sometimes I think we've lost the value of what we have. Okay, Wayne, he talked about just for a second ago, and it was a very good reminder to us to be thankful that we have copies of God's Word, right? And it is something we should just be in awe of. Have you ever seen a, a, a video of someone who, who they're in a, in, a, in a country where they don't have the Bible at all, and they're given a Bible for the first time? It's amazing. I was just absolutely amazed by it. The only thing I can relate that to is that when I was in college, I, um, uh, almost every semester I had to start every, uh, uh, all, all the classes. I had to start my classes that semester without having all of my textbooks. I was trying to pave my own way through school, and I put as much down as I could on the school bill, and so usually that meant I didn't have enough money to pay for all of my textbooks. And so I would start the class with, uh, without textbooks. And sometimes i go to the library if they had it there. And you got to understand, this was also before Amazon, okay? Some of you young people think, oh, boy, he's old, okay? But yes, there was a time before Amazon, okay? And, um, and, and so we, the only place to buy the books, our textbooks, was in the campus bookstore, which was insanely expensive, okay? You remember that. And so, I, you know, I had to save up my money. I had to, you know, wait for a paycheck or two to come in, and then I could go and buy my books, right? I remember my Greek text, my first-year Greek class. And it's a blue book, you know, uh, William Mount's uh, Basics of Biblical Greek. You know, I still have it. I remember being into a few weeks into class before I was able to get my textbook. I'm trying to catch up and things like this because then I finally had enough money to buy for it, to pay for it. I remember that when I got it. I remember when I picked it up in the bookstore. This is, this is a vivid memory in my life. I remember holding it and just looking at it and just being like, I'm so grateful I have my Greek textbook. So grateful. I had to wait for it, all. Now, if I were to write the story, I would have said I would have gotten it from the first bit, but that wasn't the case. There's a gratefulness there. That same book, if you were to grab that book off my shelf, it's in my office, you would find that it is tore up. The edges are, are just, you know, mangled and all this stuff. And that's not for me. It's from a guy I loaned it to. I could tell you his name. <laughs> okay, I loaned it to him. I, I, I didn't charge him for it because that was a thing then. You could rent textbooks to people. I didn't charge. I said, "Listen, I know what it's like to." Deny it. And so he just took it, and he did not take care of it at all. Why? Well, because one, he's a jerk. No, I'm not teasing. No, but because because he he, he he just didn't value it as much, right? Okay. It's hard to wait. But I'm telling you this, when we do wait for something, when it's granted, or on the other side, if it's never granted, and God carries us through that, and the authority of God's word, it, it intensifies our worship of God. There's a layer of gratefulness there. Then when we look back and say, he carried me through that, I don't know why he denied that to me for so long, or he never even gave it to me. But I do know that he's good. And it causes me to worship him. I, I remember moments of this while waiting for children or waiting for other things in life that um, those were some, some difficult times. But there's some incredible amounts of worship in those moments that we wouldn't have had. Just wouldn't have had if God didn't make us wait. I, I need to move on. Um, waiting can also reveal sin that must be confessed. We see this in. Uh, chapter or Psalm 40, particularly, but Psalm uh, the other Psalms as well. But um, you know, it's uh, um, we see that he's dealing with sin here. Um, we see in verse 12, uh, or no, I'm sorry, verse yeah, verse 12 of chapter uh, of Psalm 40. We see this in in uh, Psalm 38. Um, while we're waiting, often. We, sh- or we should be thinking, we should be asking questions, we should be evaluating things. Is this a right desire, is this a wrong desire? And inevitably, some sin will come into focus as we wait. Now, please hear what I'm saying. I am not saying that if you're waiting, it's because you have some sin in your life. I'm not saying that categorically, okay? That's unhelpful, and it's just not true. It may be true, but it's not categorically true. So please understand what I'm saying on that. But what I am saying is that waiting is when I'm looking at the pattern here of these psalms that we've been referencing here, it seems that David, he's going back to examining his own life. He's looking at what's going on in his own life as he's waiting for God, as there's a silence from God, it's almost like saying, okay, I need to evaluate some things here. We see this here, right? Now, here's the thing. Remember when we did our psalm study in, in, in the summer? If you look at psalm 42 you'll see book two above you remember how that there was five books remember there's five books in psalms okay so this is the end of book one where we're at we're ending the book one does anyone remember how psalm one starts the first book psalm one blesses man walks on the counsel of the godly nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scornful but his delight is in the law of the lord and in his law doth he meditate day and night so book one starts with showing what it looks like and what the result is of obeying God and obeying His Word. The book one ends by showing what it looks like when you disobey God's law. And they compare the two, compare Psalm one, compared with what David's going through here. Same author. So David, he's writing in Psalm one, and this, this joy and this freedom, and the stuff that we sang about even today when we delight ourselves in the law of God when we obey God's law and we, we submit ourselves to the Lord that's what the experience is but when we allow sin to rule our lives it's despair and the pit you see this is what he's doing it, going at here and I think sometimes waiting in one possibility, not always but one possibility is for us to examine our hearts and see if there's things that we need to be confessing to the Lord I told you there was four so here's the last one waiting can be for reasons only known to God. I have to say this because we don't have God is not obligated to tell us all the reasons why he does what he does. Psalm excuse me Deuteronomy 29:29 29, 29 says the secret things belong to the Lord our God but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. We don't know. I mean some things that God tells us and some things he doesn't. But what he has told us is enough. And so I don't know what oh, everyone's waiting on here. Okay, I don't know what you're walking through. Just as a pastor, I just have this sense that there's several of us that just needed this today. I can't explain it. I mean, there's some things that just, just I would just say this, that I can't give you an answer for all the things that you're going through, all that we're going through. But what I can say is this, I can say that God is good. And that what he has given to us is enough, is enough. So just understand this, though, that the path to God is just as important as the destination, okay? The path that you're on is just as important as the destination. We want to get to the end. We want to get to the thing you know, at the end and all this stuff. And God says, no, the path is important. Now, how do I know that? How do I know that it is because, listen, if the only reason was for us to escape the flames of hell by believing in Jesus Christ, if that was the only reason why Jesus came and died for us, Well, then as soon as we ask God to save us from our sins, then our job is done here and we're gone. But he leaves us here. He leaves us even after we bow the knee and we confess our sins before the Lord and we ask him to save us from our sins. He leaves us here in this sin-cursed world. Why? So that we can grow and so we can influence other people. So the path is just as important as the destination. And I know the path for some of you is hard. Believe me, I, I pray for you. I, I wish I could, I could take some of this stuff away. Believe me, I do. But I'm going to say this. is that the path you're on, God will be there with you every step of the way. My own life, I, I've, I've seen that over and over again where God is just in, in moments of despair and moments of, of feeling like a failure or moments of wanting to quit or give up he's there. He's there. I don't know who needs to hear that. Um, So why? There's the why. How? Let me look at the time. Okay, I got to move. All right. How? How are we supposed to wait then? Okay, Psalm 40 is helpful to us. Okay, so here's the question. So why does God do this? Well, there's four uh, reasons I potentially gave to you to consider for today. Now, the question is, well, how are we supposed to wait? Okay, well, look at Psalm 40 verse 1. I waited. What's the next word? Patiently. Class, we can do better than that. I waited. There we go. Okay, very good. You're just like, well, I'm just waiting for you to break down in tears again, Jeremy. So, okay, all right. So, um, uh, how are we to supposed to wait? Well, patiently. Okay, there it is. Okay, and some of you are just like, oh, great. You know, can can we leave the sermon now? Can <laughs> this is this is not what I wanted to hear. Well, l- l- let me let me let me show you some things first here, because waiting patiently may look a little different than you might initially think. okay. I think sometimes when we think of waiting patiently, we think, okay, I'm just completely content. Okay, alright. God said no to this. Oh, no, good. Alright, great. I'm patiently waiting on the Lord. Or, you know, everything's fine. I, I don't think so. I mean, I hope that you could do that, but, but look, well, look what David describes. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and what? Heard my cry. Waiting patiently means to cry out to God. I I mean, that's what he says. That's what he says right here. I waited patiently, Lord, and he heard my cry. Okay. We see this here. And then even verse 13 of the same text, uh, Wayne didn't read it for us because I didn't ask him to, but verse 13 says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Now, wait a minute here. Waiting patiently is just sitting back and just saying, okay, everything's fine. You know, everything's great. I'm content. I'm perfectly content with what I have, so I'm waiting patiently and everything. Well, then why is David doing this? Because waiting patiently doesn't mean that we don't continue to talk to God about what our heart's desires are. I mean, the same guy, the same guy Paul, the apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter four, he said that I've learned what sort of stadium there is to be content, right? Great verse. I think it's my mom's life verse, Okay you know, uh, probably became, you know, after she had me, you know, well, I just we'll learn to be content, okay, all right, okay, so, but the point is, is that that's her life verse, and everything is a great thing to model everything, but that same author, the apostle Paul, that same author is the one who had his heart, his heart just burning in desire for Israel, he says, my heart's desire is for Israel to be saved, in Romans chapter 9, I believe it is, right, and so, it's just because that there's, there's a, a level of contentment there or waiting doesn't mean that we don't cry out to God. And so waiting, if you're in a position of waiting right now, you're waiting for God to answer a prayer request, you're waiting for God to intervene, you're waiting for God to change something, you're waiting for God to grant you something, you're waiting for God to take something away, whether it's health or, or something, whatever it is that you're waiting for, keep crying out to God about it. Keep talking to God about it. That's what he says to do here. So waiting patiently means that we can talk to God about it here. But here's another thing that waiting patiently means, is it means that we depend on daily grace. The word daily is there is, is very important here. So let me point this out. I, I had Wayne only read, I asked Wayne to read Psalm 41 through 11, okay? I, and in fact it was, it was funny because right before the service he goes hey you know i'm not reading the whole psalm here you know and uh, i think you said your brother would want uh to read the whole the whole psalm i said well i'm gonna get there i'm gonna get there so he ended his reading our reading for today verse 11 i'm gonna read it okay as for you O lord you will not restrain your mercy from me your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me that is just a wonderful way to end. It is so good and so hopeful. Let's continue reading so that we can be filled with joy. For evils have encompassed me beyond numbers. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. There are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Wait a minute here. I mean, verse 13 says, be pleased, O Lord, deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Wait a minute here. He just said in Psalm, 103, in Psalm 40, 1-2-3, he just said that God had delivered him. He just said that God had done that. He just said that God had set his feet upon a rock and put a new song in his mouth. Everything's great and everything. So why are we saying here, please, please O oh Lord, to deliver me again? Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether, those who uh, seek to snatch away my life, verse 14. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, "Aha, ha But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me you are my help and my deliverer, do not delay, oh my God. So in the beginning of the psalm, and there is a theory, okay, because of the sudden change here, there's a theory among scholarship, it's, it's, it's an older theory that not too many modern scholars hold to, nor do I, but that this was actually originally two psalms that were put together, because it just seems like there's this, this crazy division there. I don't think that's what he's doing here. It wasn't two psalms that were put together. This was one psalm, but what David is, is talking about here, he says, just because you've been delivered today doesn't mean you won't need to be delivered tomorrow. So waiting patiently means that you depend on God's grace daily, every day, every day. Today may be a good day and tomorrow you find yourself in despair again. And then you get frustrated about that. And then you start feeling bad about yourself. Well, listen, let me just tell you this. And that tomorrow when you start feeling bad about what today you felt good about, that's when you just go back to the God. And you cry out to the Lord and say, God, yesterday was so helpful. You felt so near and I was so content in you. And today you seem so far away and I'm so uncontent. God, please, please deliver me. You see, you just take what David does here make that your playbook every day see, this is what it means to wait patiently. God gives grace not in lifetime supplies. Think about that. He doesn't give you a lifetime supply of grace immediately. He gives you daily grace, grace for the day. We see this all throughout the scriptures, right? What about, remember, uh, we just read this in our family devotions the other night in Exodus chapter 16, the children of Israel are coming out of, uh, out of Egypt and everything, they get across the Jordan, all this stuff and everything, and then they're in the wilderness and then they're eating and then they're so tired of what their meal was and so they're complaining to Moses or complaining to Aaron and they're saying, we should have stayed in Egypt, at least we had good food there and all this stuff and so there's this complaining going on and so what does God do? God says, okay, I'll give you meat. And so he makes quail come down. And then in the morning he makes manna, this bread-like stuff appear. It's just really, is, they do this every day. Every day, right? This appears. And they have this meal for 40 years. I oh, mean, that's a long time, right? And so they have this meal for 40 years. But what was the stipulation? Some of you remember the story. Some of you remember. They said that you gather how much you need for the day it don't if there's some leftover don't put it in jars don't hold it because remember the story remember some people they said okay we had some leftovers we're going to keep this and we're going to hold it up for tomorrow and we're going to have it tomorrow what happened to it worms grew it rotted it stunk that was a mistake they probably made once in their tent okay right why, why was god doing this He was doing this because he says, you need to depend on me daily. The Lord's Prayer that we quoted together earlier, give us this day our daily bread. It's not just physical. I mean, over and over again, God wants us to depend on him. Jesus, he would go to the Father often in his earthly ministry. It was almost like his custom was to withdraw and be with the Father each day. And so, this is where we get into the the initial question I was going to ask. Is like, listen, maybe I just need a do-over. Maybe I just need a mulligan. Maybe that's how I live a grounded life. I just need to start over. Well, in a sense, you get that. Lamentations chapter 3, his mercies are new every morning. Okay? But in another sense, you don't get that because we're work in process doesn't mean consequences of our sin evaporate each morning. It doesn't take away a need to repent and obey. Romans is abundantly clear about this, but what it does mean is that His mercies are available to us every morning. And as we're waiting, as we're waiting patiently, just understand, it's every day that we've got to go back to Him. That intensifies worship. That clarifies what we need. That draws our heart to Him. Alright. Let me close on the last point with this. I'm just going to Raise a question, and then to answer it, I'm just going to put some verses on the screen, and we're going to read it, okay? All right? Here's the last question. So what can we expect if we do wait on the Lord? Rather than me make promises to you, rather than me tell you my life story, I could tell you story after story about this, but that's only somewhat helpful. Your experience may be different than mine. I can't promise you that God's going to treat me, treat you the same way he's treated me. I can't, I I, I can't, you know, maybe he'll give you things that he's continually denying to me. Things that I pray for all the time that God just has not answered yet. Maybe he's answering those prayers for you. I don't know. I'm not going to give you my experience here, but what we're going to do to answer this question, we're just going to read some scripture, okay? So what can we expect if we wait on the Lord? First of all, we see in Psalm 40, I don't have this on the screen because it's open in your Bibles there, but he drew me up from a pit of destruction out of a miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put the trust in the Lord. There's a whole sermon we can say that of what that means is that, that it's just this new life, this, this new sense of praise, this worship here that we've already talked about we see in verse 3. But then there's also the influence on other people at the end of verse 3 there. What can we, if we wait patiently on the Lord, and we're crying out to the Lord, we're dependent on Him daily for His grace to get us through each and every day? What can we expect? We can expect that we will have a positive impact on other people. Joni Erickson Tada, or Johnny Erickson Tada, right? You know, I mean, she's patiently waited on the Lord with all of her disabilities and all the things that she's gone through, and she has been used by God to impact so many people. What can we expect? These are some things that we can expect, but what about Psalm 25? Psalm 25 verse 3 says, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. So you say, but what if I don't get what I want? You won't be put to shame. You won't be put to shame. If you wait on the Lord, if you say, okay, God, I'm just going to depend on you each day and I'm going to try to align my my mind with yours. I'm going to desire what you desire. You won't be put to shame. And you say, okay, you know, Jeremy, you conveniently left out a verse in Psalm 37. You, you, you conveniently left it out in verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You, you you left that out. You said that, so the Scriptures plainly say that if you delight yourself in the Lord, then He'll give you what you want. Okay, but look at the text. Look at that verse again, okay? With, as a conditional. That means that we're delighting ourselves in God, and then our desires are met. It's not that our desires are met okay just because we happen to uh, uh obey god once in a while it's we're delighting in god and then our our desires are met what that means is that when we're delighting in god the thing that we desire the most is whatever god desires for us and that's how they're met right and so we're not going to be put to shame you will not be put to shame and you may not get what you want and i may not get what i want and the prayer request that i'm honestly asking god for may never get answered but i won't be put to shame over it based on the authority of god's word Isaiah, I have three more. Isaiah 30, therefore the Lord waits to be gracious to you. That's the idea of anticipates. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. If you're in a season of waiting, these are verses you should be memorizing. These are verses you should be writing down and looking at and say, okay, blessed are those who wait on him. Blessed are those who wait on him. Psalm 40, this is a more familiar one. Some of you probably thought of this when I mentioned this. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is what we can reasonably expect based on the authority of God's word. And then one more in Isaiah 64. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for them. God acts for you. That's what you can expect. Now you say, but Jeremy, what if... What you're saying theologically doesn't match experientially. What do I do about that? What do I do? You're saying these things, and it sounds wonderful, but how do I have it? Let's do what David does. That's why they're there. That's why the Psalms are there. Wait patiently on the Lord. Cry out to Him cry out to him, depend each day, don't try to get through this entire season all at once, try to get through today, trusting in the Lord, and then tomorrow, trust in the Lord, and you will find over time, God shapes that, and God meets you right where you're at, but sometimes we just want to leapfrog all the way to the end, and God said, no, 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 the path is just as important as a destination, so I said that a grounded life is a waiting life, right, that's what I said, Remember, as I just said, the path is just as important. The path is just as important to God as the destination. We wait patiently by crying out to God and depending on his grace one day at a time. Whatever God is making you wait for is part of his unique plan for you. But please know that waiting is not unique to you. Okay, catch that. Your waiting, whatever you might be waiting for, is part of God's unique plan for you. But waiting is not unique to you. And sometimes we feel like it is. Because you know who else is waiting? Jesus. He's waiting for every knee to bow and every tongue to confess that he is Lord. And does he deserve that? Yes. Does he have it? No. And he's waiting for that day. He's waiting for to come back and set all things right. When the time of, the f- time of fulfillment has come, He's going to come back and set all things right. But He's waiting. He's waiting to receive the glory that is due Him. And He's waiting right now. So that means He understands. He's not asking, while well, asking you to wait, He's not asking you to do anything that He's not currently doing Himself.